0: It's always interesting to me how people respond to the reality, to the truth, that Jesus is alive, that he laid in a tomb on the third day, came crashing out of that tomb alive and well, and he's been alive ever since, and he will be alive forevermore. And it's always interesting to me the way people respond to that. I recognize that some, many of you here in this room, respond to that with tears of joy, and some respond with shouts of acclamation with shouts of praise and and that is certainly appropriate but it doesn't uh, I'm not naive to the fact that there are those who think it's irrelevant who might even think the discussion of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is boring but I want to tell you today that it is a historical fact that it has never been refuted that it is the thing that changed the world more than any other event in the history of the world. I know that he lives because he lives within my heart. I know that he lives because he has changed my life in a very, very radical way. I know that he lives because I'm not the same person that I, that I was before I met Jesus, Jesus is alive. I spoke with him this morning and I've been speaking with him all morning. It's a real conversation, it's an interaction. He's alive, he's alive today. His resurrection brings power to the life of the Christian. Power to overcome, power to live a kind of life that he calls us to. There is nothing like it in the history of the world. I find it interesting that in the, first, in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul tells us all about the, uh, the resurrection. I read you a little bit of that earlier, but a lot of people are lost on the fact that toward the end of that chapter, he begins talking about another resurrection, a second resurrection. Were you aware of that? Let me read a little bit to you of what he writes in 1 Corinthians 15. He says to the church at Corinth, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. When the perishable has been closed with the imperishable and the mortal with the Im- with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? And Paul is, is teaching about a second resurrection that is going to take place. When the death of an individual who has faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the physical death occurs. We know the Bible teaches us that instantaneously our soul or our spirit are in the presence of God. We take this old body and we put it in a ground or we burn it up or we, we, we do away with it. But the Bible tells us that one day Just as Jesus ascended into heaven after his earthly ministry, the angel stood there and said, just as you've seen him go, you will see him return. Jesus is coming back. And when Jesus comes back, there will be a second resurrection. 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, tells it to us something like this. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of an archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. I tell you this morning that we gather together to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The event that turned the whole world upside down. But we also need to, be un- need to be aware and need to understand that there will be a second resurrection. And our lives, our existence, this, this era, this time on earth is sandwiched between these two resurrections. Paul takes the time to teach us about both, the resurrection of Jesus and what he calls the resurrection of the dead, the resurrection of dead to new life. That's every believer whose body is resurrected and united with their soul and their spirit. And then Paul writes these words, Therefore old preacher said, anytime you see the word therefore in Scripture, you need to try and understand what it's there for. (laughs) Therefore, in this case, means because of this first resurrection, because of this life that we live, because of this second resurrection, therefore... Because of this truth, because this is a reality, the last verse of the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians says this, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Therefore, talking about the resurrection of Jesus and the promise of the second resurrection... He says, here's how you ought to live. Now, maybe this is a message. Maybe this is a sermon that should be preached the week after Easter. But for, pur- for purpose and intentionality, I share this with you today because I think it's what God has for us. No, I know it's what God has for us today. He says, because of these two resurrections, because of your existence in between them, you ought to be steadfast. You ought to be consistent in your walk. You ought to be consistent in your relationship with the Lord. It ought to be a priority in your life. Therefore, because of the resurrection, listen, that's pretty good reason. He lives. He's real. And one day you will be raised. And the only opportunity that we have to impact forever and ever and ever To impact eternity is that period of time between those two resurrections. After that, no more opportunity. And Paul says, listen, because of this first and second resurrection, you ought to be steadfast. You ought to be consistent. This ought to be a priority. You ought to be moving ahead. I ask you this morning, what is your priority in your relationship with God? Is it first on the list? Is it fourth on the list? Is it tenth on the list? Can you not find it on the list? He says, not only should you be steadfast, but be unmovable. Don't be distracted. Always pursue the goal. What is God calling calling you to? What is your purpose? Is it out there in front of you? Are you always pursuing it? Do you have your eye on it? Always, he says, give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Folks, listen. There's going to be a day that comes when the only thing in your life that really mattered is what you did for the lord the only thing in your life that really matters now look i'm talking about your marriage that that needs to matter for the lord i'm talking about parenting that needs to matter For the Lord. I'm talking about your job. I'm talking about relationships. I'm talking about your finances. I'm talking about how you live. There's gonna be a day. When you look back on your life and you realize, you know what, the only thing that has value, the only thing that really matters is what I do for the Lord. And I think that Paul is kind of alluding to that when he says, always, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. And then he ends with these words, because you know your labor is not in vain. In other words, you know that there is a return on your work, a return on your investment. Now, I imagine that we have some pretty financial savvy people in here, so let me give you some financial advice. This is an investment where the return is guaranteed, and this is an investment that will will produce or generate a greater return of any investment that you can make. How can I say that? Because the return on this investment lasts forever and ever and ever and ever. No wonder Paul challenges us with these words. And then he goes on and he says, let me give you some ideas about how to work this out in your life. Let me give you some ideas about how to apply this in your life. I'm telling you, he says, give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. But what does that really mean? And just very, very quickly in the verses that follow after chapter 15, beginning in the first verse of chapter 16, he just gives us some ways. And this isn't an exhaustive list, but I want to run through it quickly. Verses 1 through 4, he talks about giving. Here he's talking about our finances. He talks about giving liberally. Now, look, this Easter, what preacher would do a giving sermon on Easter? (laughs) You know, none would. But let me just tell you this, where your treasure is, there's your heart also. I mean, if we're going to make a priority of our relationship with the Lord, it will be demonstrated in how we spend our financial resources and how we use our money. And he says, one of the things that I do and one of the things that the church does is give. He gives a very specific example about passing collection plates in the church and how it's not just for us, but it was for the poor people who are really, really struggling in Jerusalem, he says a second thing. If you want to give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, number one, liberally give. Number two, you got to have a vision. you got to have a plan. you got to know where you're headed. You, 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 and this isn't a vision that comes through creative people in the church. This isn't a vision that comes from... A, 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 Nighttime meetings that go way, way, way. This is a vision that comes from prayer. It's a vision that comes from God. God gives the vision. I share vision with you. That's not my vision, that's not the elders' vision. That's not the church's vision. That's God's vision that God has given to us. And Paul says that's an important part of giving yourself fully to the Lord. Paul was always planning. Paul was always sensing and discerning, God, what do you want me to do? Paul was never content with status quo. Listen, we must never be content with status quo in our spiritual life. Are you different today than you were last week, last year, two years ago? Have you been changed at all or is it just status quo? Is God showing you new things, God revealing to you new, new things, God using you in new ways, giving you opportunities to invest yourself in other people in new ways? Is there vision? Is there a plan, A way God wants to use you? Are you pursuing that? Or is it just status quo? I mean, is it just Sunday morning? You know? If the Bible is true and there's a resurrection we celebrate today and a resurrection to come and this time during our lives, our only opportunity to impact eternity, then this is important. This needs our consideration. And so he says, You got to have a vision. And then he says, You got to have a sense of flexibility about that vision. I I love Paul's honesty. He's writing to the church at Corinth and he says, Man, I really, really had planned to come to you, but they need me here. There's some things going on here. I can't leave here. And so I'm changing my plans and I'm going to stay here. He says in verse six of that chapter, I might do this and I might do that, but only if the Lord permits will I do that. he says, James, the brother of Jesus, wrote a letter to the persecuted church. And it says in that letter, he goes, Don't say I'm going to do this and do that tomorrow. Say, if the Lord permits. So there needs to be a sense of flexibility. In other words, God gives us a vision, and he says, but listen, don't go off and do the vision without me. I want to walk with you. I want to lead the way. I want you to follow me. It might not be the direction that you think it is. He said to Abraham in the Old Testament, do you remember this? Here's the vision. Pack up and leave. That was the vision. So Abram being the intelligent man that he is, said, yes, Lord, where do you want me to go? And the Lord goes, just go. I'll tell you later. And I want to tell you something. He treats us like that a lot. Why? Because he wants us to depend on him. He wants us to walk with him. And so there has to be this sense of flexibility. We think we're going to go right. Jesus goes, no, 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 no. I want you to go left. And and here's another thing that Paul talks about in verse 7 of chapter 16. He says, be committed to excellence. After all, this is work that we're doing unto the Lord. Don't be superficial. Don't be shallow. Listen, don't toss God a little pocket change and give him your spare time. He's worthy and deserving of more than that. And he goes on and he says this. Now, in your mission, in how God wants to use you, expect opposition and accept it as a challenge, even accept it as an encouragement. Because whatever you do for the Lord, there's always going to be opposition. I could sit for hours and tell you about that. As a matter of fact, I would tell you if you're a believer here this morning and you're not in the middle of a battle, you're doing something wrong. If you're a believer here this morning and life is just hunky-dory and everything's okay and there's no opposition, you're doing something wrong. One of my favorite pastors, this is is real encouraging, one of my favorite pastors in an article that he wrote to pastors says, if you're having a good time, you're doing something wrong. If you're enjoying your job, you're doing something wrong. Why? Why? Because the Bible is clear, this life that we live in Jesus Christ is a life of warfare. It's a battle that takes place. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ that guarantees our victory in that battle and gives us power to fight that battle. All right, listen, why in the world am I telling you all of this? And, And this isn't really an Easter sermon, is it? Because I want to share with you and I want to give you an opportunity to participate in in being steadfast and unmovable and giving yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. I want to introduce you to a vision that God has given our church. I I, I, I recognize that, that, that there are people here who wouldn't say, I'm a regular attender at Avalon Church or Avalon Church is my church. That's okay. Why in the world would I do something like this on Easter? Because there are people here who say, I don't, I don't really recognize Avalon's my church and I, I'm not a regular attender there. I knew that you were going to be here today. And I'm glad you're here and you're welcome here. And you will always be accepted and loved here. And I know most of you, maybe not by name, I've lived in this community 14 years. I know what kind of people you are. I know how well you love. I know that you care about people. I know that it breaks your heart when you see someone, maybe a child, maybe particularly a child that's hungry. I see the way you respond to needs in this community, and I'm proud of this community. God has called us as a church to fulfill a vision and I wanted to invite you to be a part of it whether or not Avalon Church is your church because you're that kind of people. Okay. Vic, if you'll show that video for me and then I want to tell you about what we're going to do here. This is the community of Palomino. It's in Aguascalientes, Mexico. It's a community of about 50,000 people in a two-mile radius. I've spent some time with the families. I've spent some time with the children. This is a tough place to grow up. But I was shocked to learn there's no church here at all. If there's no church here, who's going to tell them about Jesus? I believe God has brought us here on purpose. No accidents with God. He has given us an opportunity. I believe we can plan a church here very quickly. I'm asking you to pray about what God would have you to do to be a part of this incredible opportunity he's given us. Palomino, they need Jesus too. Aquascalientes, Mexico, is in central Mexico. It's about 300 miles northwest of Mexico City. A community of Aqualentes, which is a, a city of about a million people, A community, there's a community on the outskirts called Palomino. Palomino is a community of 50,000 people. It's kind of compacted together because all of those 50,000 people live in a two-mile, I think the word is circumference. There's a two-mile radius where 50,000 people live. I've been there and I have seen it. We have sent a couple of teams down there on different occasions. We've been working on this for over a year. It blows me away that there is no church in Palomino, none. If there's no church there, who is to tell them of the hope that there is in Jesus Christ? If there's no church there, who's to go and pray with somebody who's going through a difficult time in their life? If there's no church there, who's to go and minister and offer comfort? If there's no church there, who, who is going to be a model of Jesus' love and grace and mercy and forgiveness? And God just Burdened my heart with that community, and just as clear as day said to me, I want you to go, I want Avalon Church to go, I want Avalon Park to go, and I want them to bring hope to this community. And so we have sat down and we have strategized about how we can do that. Lord, how do we do that? What do you want us to do? What comes first? And we have put together a plan, and it's in your bulletin, the bulletin that you received when you came in. The first thing that we did is we gave a mission statement to this initiative to Palomino, Mexico. And here's what it means. Here's what it is, I should say. To build a church, and let me stop there. That does not necessarily mean a building. We want to build a church. We want to plant a church. We want to grow a church. That, that, that is a body of believers That is a group of people. Maybe one day we'll help them build a building. Maybe we won't. I don't know. That's not what I mean when I say build a church. I mean find people who will come together and be a church, will worship the Lord together, and will have a heart for spreading God's love in their community. And so the mission statement is to build a church so that we may spiritually and physically feed the people so that by the love of Jesus, hope rises in their hearts and lives both now and forevermore this is a passion of mine it is becoming a passion of our church and we want everybody to be involved how are we going to do that let me tell you something in my mind I have this vision I see 50,000 people coming to faith in Christ now I know you're sitting there going that's impossible that can't happen I can't even begin to imagine that. Well, you know what the Bible says? That he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even imagine. And so if I can imagine it, he can do greater things than that. What is your vision for it? Now here's how we want to go about it. We're going to do it in phases. The first phase starts today. We're launching this today. And the first phase is going to be through sponsoring children there. Our church has... Partnered with an organization called children 's cup children 's Cup is a Christian organization, but their focus is on humanitarian needs it 's on food it 's on medical attention and, and it 's on education we 're partnering with them. They go through a very long process to register people for sponsorship. We have this morning fifty four people fifty four children who are registered for sponsorship. I got the good news after the first service that about 24 of those are gone. So we only have about 30 left. It is our goal to sponsor 200 children in Palomino, Mexico by this time next year. We want to show them in a tangible way that we care about them and love them. So the first phase starts today and it's through sponsorships. The second phase is on missions trip on October the 10th through the 16th of this year. We're gonna go down there and it's just gonna be a get to know people kind of trip. It's gonna be a trip where we look for what we call people of peace. That comes from Luke chapter 16 and verse 10. When Jesus sent people out to tell others about his love, he said, knock on doors. He said, you're going to find some that are people of peace. If you find people of peace, man, you want to spend some time with them. There are people there in Palomino who are people of peace that will be very receptive to the good news of Jesus Christ that will talk to us, and we're going to build relationships with them, and that's where we're going to start to put together this church we're going to have prayer walks on that mission trip we're going to have a worship service on that missions trip we're going on subsequent and by the way we're going to invite you to go on the missions trip well Dale I don't go to really go to Avalon church we want you to come with us if you sponsor a child we sure want you to come with us because we want you to meet the child we want you to sit down with them. We want you to get to know them. This is, what, this is part of what Paul meant about the excellence part. It's going above and beyond. It's doing more than you have to do. I, I, I want you to, 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 to send them letters of encouragement. I want you to pray for them on a regular basis. I want you to stay in touch with them. I want you to go on a mission trip so that you can meet them. You can see where they live. You can see their house. You can meet who lives in their house with them. That's important. And I want you to do that, and we'll be going on subsequent missions trips in phase three where, where we'll be looking to establish discipleship groups or home churches, and we're going to establish tree churches. You ever heard of a tree church? You ever heard of a tree church? About three or four weeks ago, I hadn't heard of one either, and I was having lunch with Jerry Sharpless, and, and, and I said, Jerry, these guys need a building. We've got to build them a building, and, and, and they don't have any place to meet. And he said, Dale, you ever heard of tree churches? I said, no, what's a tree church? He says, it's church under a tree. <laughs> and, and he said, it's happening all over the world. I got to thinking about that, and I started thinking, you know what? I like that idea. You know, nobody can complain about the air conditioning. Or how soft or hard the seats are, right? And they can't complain about the music. They can't complain about this. can't complain about that. All you got to do is just gather together and worship the Lord and learn. Tree churches. We're going to establish tree churches there, and we're going to establish opportunities. And then as God leads, as God opens doors, we're going to plant a church there. And I believe it's gonna spread like wildfire because these are people who have the necessities of life. The thing that they don't have is hope. It's a hard place to be raised. It's a hard place to live. It's poverty stricken, yes, but not, it's, it, it's not poverty stricken like maybe some you have seen in third world countries. Most people have a home. The average size home there is 350 to 400 square feet. Your garage, your two car garage is 500 square feet. And usually there's seven, eight, 9 10, 11, 12 people that live in that 400 square foot home. They have food to eat, but it's usually not enough. They have jobs. The crime rate is high, but it's not violent crime. Everybody's stealing from one another. This is a community where there's no hope. Well, guess what? Jesus is our hope and we need to go there and tell them about Jesus and we're gonna start with this child sponsorship program. So here's what I want you to do. In the uh, seat that you sat in this morning, there's a card that says sponsor a child today. If you would be interested in sponsoring a child, it's $39 a month and it uh, provides one meal a day for that child five days a week and it provides medical care for that child, and it provides help with their education. Uh, It also allows us to be involved in that child's life. Um, If you'll fill out this card that you're interested in sponsoring a child and drop it in the white bucket as you exit the building this morning, then we will be able to stay in touch with you. You have an opportunity to sponsor a child this morning. And if you sponsor a child this morning, you'll receive a packet. There's no money required this morning, but it's a way to get registered and get this started. You'll receive a packet just like this. It's the packet for your individual child. It gives their name. It gives their background. It tells their story. It tells where they live. It tells about what their dreams are and what they want to be when they grow up. Gives you a little information about that. And it tells you how you... can you can contact them but you'll receive one of these and also you know this is like the commercial on TV but wait if you act now we'll give you a t-shirt and we'll pay the shipping no, but, that, but that's a part of it. If, if you sponsor a child this morning, you'll get this packet and uh, you'll get a T-shirt. We only have about 30 left. We hope to have uh, 200 by this time next year. We want to sponsor 200 kids there, as we progress on this journey to seeing this community turned upside down for Jesus Christ. And I want everybody to be a part of it. You don't have to be a part of this church to, to participate in this initiative, in this effort, in this mission, in this vision to see a community come to know Christ as Savior. This is a, a, a part of Mexico, um, some of y'all will know this, it's new to me, that uh, once a year they celebrate death. Did you know that? They have a day of death there, and um, this is the exact opposite of that. We, we celebrate life and hope and eternal life, and uh, we desperately need to be in there. And I, Look, this is cra- a crazy Easter message, isn't it? I believe with everything inside of me, this is exactly what God wants us to do. And now I I need you to know what God wants you to do, and I need you to be obedient to him. Okay? Let me invite you to stand to your feet, because we're going to go ahead and dismiss. And i tell you what I think I'll do. I'm going to ask Arthur, if he would, to pray for us and dismiss us. And there will be people in the lobby to answer your questions. Um, I think that they've tried to separate the children and boys and girls if you want to sponsor a boy or a girl, and the boys, I think, are on the left, and the girls, I think, are on the right. So um, I can tell you this. The girls are going fast. <laughs> so, hey, I love you. Thank you for being here. Next Sunday, a really, really important message from Joshua. Joshua on what might hinder us from fulfilling the mission that god has given us i welcome you back i hope you'll come back we'll have a great time in the lord together arthur father we thank you for this morning you're alive and god we crown you with many crowns the king of kings the king that's above every king the king of creation god you rose from the dead and you reign on your throne so god be with us today and help us to never forget that empty tomb you're alive And Jesus, we crown you with many crowns. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, sing as we go, church.